Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. Today, we are continuing Sci-Fi Month by making a tier list out of robots from TV and film. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis and Alden Mason. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, Josh Alden and I are making a robot tier list. Um, Similar to the other tier lists we've done this season, we have summaries written for each of these iconic characters that all fit the archetype of a TV or a movie's robot character. Um, I'm quite excited for this list. Tying in with our sci-fi month, I think we've got a diverse pool of robots here, and I'm excited to talk about them. Oh, we have to figure out the tiers, too. Yes. My favorite part of the tier list episodes, we have to create the, uh, the the designated tiers for these characters to go in. As a running joke, I think A tier should be AI that Nate trusts. Yes. I just, I think that makes sense. Craig is no longer, our recording bot in Discord is no longer AI that Nate trusts. True. So right now, all we have is our show's composer, Andrew Roberts, in the AI <laughs> that Nate trusts tier. <laughs> We gotta get him on the show at some point. I feel bad. <laughs> okay, so that leaves us with the top tier and the two mid tiers and the bottom tier left. All right, so the bottom tier I think should be the junkyard, whatever it's called in the movie Robots, Madam Gasket's place. Uh, okay, Madam. I work gaskets. Scrapyard. Um, C is usually our lay off the weed equivalent, so maybe we'll just call this uh, lay off the motor oil. <laughs> a lot of these characters, I feel like, are just like servants. Like they don't really have a greater purpose, although perhaps they should. So maybe we call these Butler tier. I well, this is usually the remake category, and I was thinking of a Tesla. Please remake. Oh, okay. Um, maybe. Do we want AI that Nate trusts as top tier then? Probably. Yeah, I think that so. Might or should better. we add a middle tier? Well, actually, that might go really well with what I was going to say for top tier. What were you going to say? Like, the top tier should be, like, supreme leaders. Like, ones that are going to take over the planet if they actually existed. Like, supreme overlords. Yeah, that works. And I feel like Tesla is going to be the one to make that. That or Boston Dynamics. It's definitely Boston Dynamics. Especially since they just got bought out by Hyundai. Do you think like a Do you think uh like Joe Biden's dog is gonna get replaced with one of those like Boston dynamic dog? Robots? That'd be funny. All right, so I guess we'll just go in the order. I think this is alphabetical order, but it's random enough. <clears throat> Astro Boy, known in Japan by its original name Mighty Adam, is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Azumu Tezuku. It is a serialized in Kanoshin whatever. Shonen's 1952 to 1968. The 112 chapters were collected into 32 volumes by Akita Shoten. I think he's pretty much just like the prototype for like Mega Man in that like an inventor creates the boy robot who saves the day from like another evil inventor. There's not really like too much to him. He's kind of like, I guess, like the prototype of a lot of other robots that we'll see like later. I think the coolest thing is that he comes from, like, a, a manga, but that's about it. That's the coolest thing? 
I mean, it's unique. It's separating him from a lot of these other characters. I feel like this could go either way where you could say, like, the defense for him is that he's kind of the blueprint for, like, your Mega Man and other characters. Or you could say he's... There's just other characters better than him, even though he could have been one of the first. Already, I'm seeing an issue with our tiers. What's that? I don't want him at the bottom. He's not lay off the motor oil. He's not a butler. And I think that AI that Nate trusts is too high. Okay. Um, I do think he's kind of a butler when you think about it. He's created for a very particular purpose. And besides like a ripoff Pinocchio arc where he's like, oh... Maybe I should be a real boy or whatever. He's kind of just doing that role he's created for in saving the day. Like, I don't, I wouldn't hang out with this dude. <laughs> he's a freaking little, like, eight-year-old that flies around with rocket boots. Yeah, I guess Butler does kind of work. Nah, I think Butler, as we fill in the tier, he'll probably go lower, like, in the Butler tier. All right. Yeah. All right, Josh, you're up next. Tell us about Ava. Ava, from the greatest sci-fi movie of all time, Ex Machida, is a <laughs> artificial intelligence created by Oscar Isaac's buff Steve Jobs character, while General Hux himself, Donald Gleason, becomes one of the biggest simps of all time when, after many trials, uh, he develops a relationship with Ava. But it all turned out at the end this man was getting cucked, and Ava just wanted to experience the real world, had no connection with either character, Really, Oscar Isaac's character, who we thought was the main antag antagonist throughout the film, spoiler alert, was kind of right the whole time. Um, yeah, I think Ava is one of the smartest robot AIs on this t on this uh, whole tier list. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I agree. I have one argument against it, but she's the most capable, so... Yeah, she's also, like, yeah, like, she is also, like, dangerous. Like, she, yeah. could, she could, like be in a fight yeah i'd argue r2d2 is smarter but possible he cannot yeah. do as much yeah i think like the ending of the movie kind of hints at this but like if you had this robot released in the world you would pretty much be able to like if she's completely free-willed like it's implied she ha has free will in this movie she would take over the world this is the first supreme overlord in my opinion yeah no doubt yeah she definitely is, uh, I don't know how to word this, so never mind. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, in terms of, like, she just straight up, like, kills two people. I mean, actually one, but, like, leaves another one to die locked in a room for all eternity. So, I mean, she's she's smarter than she is physically capable, but her, her strength is appearing to be more physically capable than buff Oscar Isaac. She's kind of she's kind of ruthless. Her one play of mercy is leaving a guy in a room. In terms of like the cheering test, nobody would be able to tell she's an AI. Alden, you're going to tell us about Baymax. He's an inflatable computerized robot created by Tadashi Hamada to serve as a personal healthcare companion. Uh, but after Tadashi just blows up, Baymax is inherited by Hiro, his brother, uh, with whom he became a member of the superhero team known as Big Hero 6. I feel like Baymax can't really do much on his own. He is legitimately a butler. Just, he can think for himself, he can act for himself, but it's always in the interest of the person he's taking care of. Hear me out. I think you're right, but... 
personally, I would trust Baymax a lot more than other butlers simply because, like, he, he looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like, he's literally, like, this giant, hub like, huggable, like, medical droid. Yeah, that was the point of his design is to make it, like, soft and, and uh, safe. Free healthcare. If you have this robot, you don't have to worry about paying hospital bills ever again. This dude rocks. I think he's AI that I trust. <laughs> no, not you, Iron Giant. <laughs> Baymax. AI that nature us. I love how his picture here is like a mugshot. Yeah. <laughs> ben from Treasure Planet, B-E-N, is a supporting character in Disney's 2002 animated feature film, Treasure Planet. He is an eccentric robot that originally served as the navigator of the legendary space pirate, Captain Nathaniel Flint. That is until Flint stranded him on the Treasure Planet. Yeah, I feel like he would be at the low end of Butler, but because his, like, captain abandoned him, I feel like it's lay off the motor oil here. Like, he's kind of like a comedic relief character. He failed at his job of being a navigator, and uh, he's kind of annoying. Uh, if he were a Butler assigned robot to me, I think I would probably fire him on the spot, personally. Yeah, he's not very uh, useful. I think it's, yeah lay off the motor oil i like the design though that's true lay off the motor oil works for me i agree bender is the drunk gambling addicted robot who is kind of a bastard he is perhaps the best known character from futurama but despite putting himself before everyone often doing get rich quick schemes instead of actually helping the group when push comes to shove he'll go to hell and back literally to help his best friend fry i relate to this character yeah really i mean he's just robot josh <laughs> <laughs> so the question is then nate do you trust me uh in terms of getting an episode out on time absolutely not <laughs> I think the latest, the earliest you've been to actually turning out an episode on time this season is five days. <laughs> but uh, we're not talking about you. We're talking about Bender. I think that he's slightly better than most other robot butlers because he simply serves like his own needs first, and therefore he does a better job of actually helping the group. At, like at the end of the day, he always acts like he hates everybody. But I, I think he's like kind of a softy i really like the episodes where he like adopts kids and he's just immediately putting them to work in a sweatshop like he's such a lovable bastard and uh, i think he's the funniest part of futurama so so i feel like there needs to be something between butler and ai that nate trusts i think that's you're right, what Alvin. i'm thinking yeah i feel like a lot of robots in movies are kind of like the best friend the companion of the protagonist so maybe something in that sense yeah man's best friend whoa i wonder where goddard's go supreme overlords <laughs> low-key kind of <laughs> i hate that we have two oranges are those different color oranges yeah they are <laughs> whatever <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um who is next we've got big weld josh take it away i have big weld wait do you not He's not a villain. Dude, yeah, you have Big Weld. Wait, I have Big Weld? I gave you Big Weld because you like him the most. Holy shit, you gave me Big... Oh, it is last on my list. Oh, no. Okay. Just tell us what you know about Big Weld off memory. I could do this on the spot. I mean, see a need, fill a need. That's what I'm about to do. Big Weld, I think, has a lot of... Uh, it's very similar to uh, kind of Chef Gusteau and Ratatouille in the first act of Robots, where he's kind of the... The guy that the main character looks up to, and um, as the movie progresses, we see that uh, corporation and just uh, 
very bad capitalism takes over uh big welds and uh i mean i don't think it affects his persona he's uh uh the the scene where he is surfing uh when the dominoes are falling is kino uh probably one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history uh visually uh like when i when i think of uh scenes i think of star wars binary sunset uh blade runner and then i think of big weld surfing yeah that sounds about right i like that he's voiced by mel brooks i think that really adds a lot to the movie and at the end bro he ends up with aunt fanny this dude's a king the robots cast as a whole is it's uh, a big voice cast you have ewan mcgregor playing uh like the main character even though i kind of see big weld as that like obi-wan kind of mentor figure yeah it's weird because like he's set up like he's like this omnipotent character who has a big impact and pretty much created like the designs for a lot of these robots and then like they get to him and he's like a loser like he's washed up or whatever but he's still not like a bad guy he like ends up saving the day and shit at the end too so it's it's pretty cool i like big weld uh, terry bradshaw's in this movie <laughs> i don't think he's a supreme overlord though i think he's too lazy he wasn't even the supreme overlord of his own company uh i definitely don't trust him because he's got some sus energy i'd grab a beer with big weld yeah i i, I feel like big big weld would be a great buddy definitely not better than bender but he's uh he's a pal i'd, I'd go skateboarding with big weld i'd go surfing with big weld <laughs> Bumblebee is one of the many fictional superheroes in the Transformers franchise. The character is a member of the Autobots, a group of sentient self-configuring modular extraterrestrial robotic life forms. Originally, Bumblebee was a small yellow convertible Volkswagen Beetle, but the less based Michael Bay turned him into a striped Camaro. Bumblebee is the youngest of the Autobots and looks up to the other members as uh, older brothers. I think that Bumblebee's characterization over the years has gotten better, surprisingly. Um, in the original like animated series, he was kind of just like the wimpy Autobot. And then as he became like the most marketable character and they started like targeting it more towards like kids and then they had a big blockbuster and he's like Shia LaBeouf's car. Like he definitely became like the likable character. And then in the most recent Bumblebee movie, he's pretty much just like robotic et I, I i think his character's cool but i totally buy that he's developed uh a good relationship with the humans after having both uh both main characters after having like a strong relationship with both main characters i just don't buy the fact that like this is the guy who's like saving the world like i get like he's got like other autobots but he's kind of kind of weak sauce yeah i mean i don't know if he was ever except for the bumblebee movie where, if I remember correctly, in the Transformers movies, like, you kind of wait, though, for, like, Optimus Prime. Doesn't Optimus Prime die in the beginning of Revenge of the Fallen, and then they, they all kind of suck throughout the movie till he comes back? I mean, Optimus Prime, like, in theory, is just overpowered, but barely shows up. I feel like Bumblebee can hold his own in most situations, except, like, Michael Bay shows everywhere that he can't. I'll never forget, at the end of Transformers Dark of the Moon, when the audience started clapping in my theater... Huh? <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. I think he's uh he's a butler as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's literally he's literally a chauffeur. He's driving a Shia LaBeouf around. Yeah, Sam Witwicky. He's pretty much the same level of character as Astro Boy, except kinda bigger. In Revenge of the Falling, he does stop Shia LaBeouf from cheating uh 
on Megan Fox with a robot thought. That's based. Why would why would a guy who looks like Sam Witwicky cheat on Megan Fox's character? That's just how it goes. No one knows why. Bruh. Chappie was created by robotics expert Dion Wilson using an AI that he installed aboard a damaged scout police robot. Chappie is capable of thinking for themselves and making their own decisions. Once he installs the new software into the damaged robot, it responds with childlike terror upon powering up. I don't really know where to put him on the tier list, but I think this uh, display of AI is pretty interesting. I feel like Ex Machina was the only one that kind of showed development, maybe her as well, but not from nothing. Right. Like, they all had a basis to work from. Chappie really didn't. Chappie just watched and learned from his surroundings. Yeah, Chappie's kind of a ripoff of a character we're going to get to a little bit later, in my opinion. He's That's very, very thinking. similar. Yeah. The thing that makes him cooler, though, is he doesn't look like Wally. <laughs> like, he could actually hold his own in a fight. So if you, like, raised him to fight alongside you, like, this dude's going to be, like, your loyal battle companion or whatever. But if you raised him to just be, like, your son or whatever, you know, you've got your E.T. type. I feel like he's, like simultaneously a better butler than both the ones we have in the fact that you could kind of mold this ai into what you want it to be is kind of better than that so yeah i would say this is probably man's best friend as long as you're not a dickhead to him like the first people he runs into like <laughs> you're probably gonna get a lot done with him like he sounds like a useful robot like if there was a tesla please remake i'd say chappie's what i think tesla would probably make <laughs> I mean, OpenAI is probably getting there soon. I hope not. Nate will be the Blade Runner. I will. Well, they're also the ones calling for regulation by governments. Actually, no, he's not bigger than Big Weld. Sorry. No, I don't think so. I hope Tesla makes a Big Weld. Ed 209, the future of law enforcement. Uh, after what they thought was the um, failure of the Robocop, this is from the movie Robocop, and in the movie... Uh, when they thought the RoboCop uh, thing was a failure, they, um, Ed 209 was, cr was created, and <clears throat> he, I haven't seen RoboCop in a while, Is, did he, like, did he become self-aware, or were they controlling him? Was Red from that 70s show controlling him? No, 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 no. So they created this robot, and he's got his own thinking process, so they literally just programmed like a cop into this into this robot like you know shoot anything that has a gun you know uh I and mean, it's like a giant tank it's definitely not what detroit needed no <laughs> <laughs> this is what detroit has and uh its latest appearance was in uh, mortal kombat 11 as part of one of robocop's fatalities yeah so i feel like this like the ed 209 like police bot has the capability and the strength to be a supreme overlord i mean all you have to do is watch the scene where they introduce ed 209 and robocop and it just straight up like massacres this business dude <laughs> like they can't get it to stop shooting and he, he gets shot like a billion times there's blood everywhere he falls out of a penthouse window like it's insane ed 209 is extremely extremely lethal however it goes all the way down into lay off the motor oil because it can't climb up a flight of stairs or go down a flight of stairs. It's the most pathetic 
weakness for a robot that's this strong ever. And uh, it's the reason why RoboCop is able to defeat it in, I believe, all three RoboCop movies. So, uh, yeah, this is this is the most, f- like, flawed character we've talked about so far. Not only in its design, but also just in its capabilities. It, it gets, it loses every fight to a flight of stairs. Man, even Goddard can climb stairs. Uh, yeah. Tell us about Data, Alden. Is this the AI most similar to Alden? Maybe. I, I don't... I don't... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Data was a Soong-type android, the first and only such being to ever enter Starfleet. Data was incapable of alcohol intoxication, yet components in his processing systems were susceptible to disruption by polywater intoxication. I feel like Data is, like, one of the most useful robots on this list in terms of like filling the void of like a like a position on a on a ship like he's pretty much like the ben character or whatever from treasure planet but like good at his job i feel like he's top of butler though i think like th- as the show goes on they try to like make the character more and more human and like the the ai and the computer like develops over time to either it's a villain trying to like poke a weakness into the ship and so they make data human for an episode or something like that and through all of those, you realize, like, even though his, like, brain processing power might be a series of, like, ones and zeros, like, the fact that he has the memory that he does, he's able to adapt over time. And I think that that's, like, a really cool underlying theme to his character. But he's also kind of, like, <laughs> they, they ruin this character in Picard so quickly. So it's also, like, this isn't, uh, this isn't, like, a the best character ever but i don't want to say a better version of like a spock character because obviously spock's like extremely useful but in terms of being like just a loyal companion although picard hates him he's extremely like he's always uh, like objective oriented and is getting the job done i would say he's either the best butler or he's like the middle of man's best friend at least he's not gonna cuck you like spock does (laughs) (laughs) true I yeah I think in the middle of man's best friend I think he's a little more than a butler the iron giant is the deutrotagonist of the warner brothers 1999 animated science fiction film of the same name voiced by vin diesel he is a whopping 50 foot tall autonomous metal man from another world that crash lands on earth before becoming friends with a young boy named hogarth who rescues him from his own internal defensive mechanism uh, he resonates a lot with Superman because he comes from another planet, the military wants to destroy him, and he ends up saving the day in the end. Um, this character rocks. I'm gonna say it, this is Vin Diesel's best movie. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird that this character, like, gets so much love in, like, pop culture now. It's, like, in Ready Player One, they're like, oh, we gotta have the Iron Giant. And then, like, Space Jam 2, they're like, oh, we gotta have the Iron Giant. It's like, is this character that important? I don't really think so. I think his movie's really good. Um, I can't put him in Supreme Overlords because I think he's too, like, nice of a character to ever be a Supreme Overlord. I personally would trust this 50-foot-tall giant robot. I, I think he belongs right up there with Baymax. Um, I, in fact, actually more so than Baymax because this man just eats a nuclear missile so that way the world doesn't get destroyed. Uh, this dude rocks. Um I, I really like the design because it's, like, simple, and it looks like something out of, like, a 50s cartoon or, like, a comic, and that fits the theme of the movie, like, so well. The uh, the only thing that I think is, like, 
pulling it back from being a supreme overlord again is like he creates a human relationship so quickly where it's like he i don't think he'd ever want to destroy the humans even if it's in his like programming to do so he's too pure for this world yeah he is i also like the way he flies he flies just like superman he like his arms are out he's like fully <laughs> stretched dot matrix is a robot believe it or not um they are a parody of c-3po from star wars uh, and she was voiced by Joan Rivers in both the movie and the animated series. There's a Spaceballs animated series. I just found out today as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on uh, on Dot Matrix? Do you think she exceeds her job better than C-3PO or no? I mean, in a comedic sense, this looks maybe. so bad. I think she's actually just straight up better than C-3PO because, like, she has to fill the void of R2-D2 and C-3PO all in the same character. But then she's also, like, the Princess Leia parody character's best friend. She just is all around, like, one of the better robot butlers on this list, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm thinking. Yeah, I think Tapa Butler works for now. Yeah. I'd rather have a Dot Matrix walking around than a Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> all right josh what's how 9000 all about is he a misunderstood anti-hero uh, 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 how 9000 is one of stanley kubrick's most well-known antagonists uh he has probably one of the most quotable lines in film history and another person on here actually has a really quotable line where he goes like i can't let you do that um he he's not in the movie for long but when he when he is on screen, he makes an impact. I think the character is kind of a parallel to the Cyclops character in the actual Odyssey book uh, with the whole one eye thing. And the Cyclops wasn't really the main focal point of the Odyssey either. He was kind of like an obstacle for the main character to get to the end goal. And that's exactly what Hal is in this movie. The, the only thing I think weighs him down is that he kind of quote-unquote, dies like a bitch. He's just sitting there whining while uh, the main character unplugs him. Yeah, I feel like he has supreme overlord tendencies in terms of just, like, raw decision-making. He does the most logical thing to the point at which it, like, will end human life. But also, maybe it's just due to the time that 2001 came out. I don't think he has the capability to do that. Hal did, Hal did technically commit a murder, right? Yeah. Definitely does have supreme overlord potential, but not as smart as Ava. I think I think we'll put him up there, just just below Ava by the potential. Even though somebody could just go unplug him like he's like a desktop computer. I mean, what would happen if you fully submerged Ava in water? I mean, I feel like <laughs> there might be a pretty like. Is this like the iPhone XR? Like, is it water resistant up to six feet? Okay, what about you send it to the bottom of the ocean? All right, you want to tell us about Gigolo Joe, Alden? <laughs> I guess. What's he all about? Uh, well, he's a male prostitute. Uh, he's programmed with the ability to mimic love. Does he hang out with a child? Yeah, so he helps He helps this kid escape. Another, another mecha or whatever. He helps him escape after, like, almost getting taken apart. Uh, but he's also on the run after being framed for murder. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, but he's a good guy. I'm going to say it. I would trust Gigolo Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Jude Law walking around in a leather jacket, 
helping Haley Joe Osment. Like, what about this is a red flag? I don't think any of it. <laughs> I think he's probably the most loyal companion on the whole, like, uh, in that movie. Like, Johnny Five, originally named S-A-I-N-T, Saint Prototype Number 2, is a former military robot who is given sentience and intelligence after being struck by lightning. This high-tech robot has uh, 512 megabytes of RAM, which at the time was more than any computer on Earth, and is now less than the file size of one of our YouTube episodes. He enjoys Tarzan movies, The Three Stooges, and his favorite books are Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Carlo Coyote's Pinocchio. He finds humans to be amusing as, and is sometimes frustrated by their behavior and their failure to recognize him as a sentient life form. But he seems to like them on the whole and has several close friendships with humans. Johnny Five is currently employed as a li at the oh as a library page counter by the Capital Area District Library. So, um, yeah. He's very similar to Chappie, kind of the prototype for Chappie. His, his, the way he's able to learn and adapt is exactly like Chappie. Um, the only difference is he's not very, like, versatile. Like, although he's a military robot, I don't understand how he's able to, like, <laughs> actually fight. He does take down a couple of, like, slapstick goons, but he's not, like, uh, it's not like Chappie operating two machine guns at the same time type thing. Um, yeah his reading comprehension's insanely good like he just picks up a book and like skims through it he's like goodwill hunting as a robot <laughs> <laughs> i mean johnny five rolled so chappy could run did chappy run a lot yeah he runs in the movie <laughs> i remember like watching that trailer in theaters and just being like what the fuck is this it looked like uh it looked like district nine but terrible <laughs> like i literally thought like it was in a dream at first i thought i just dreamt of that movie I will say though, Johnny Five is way more popular with the ladies. He pretty much like, like he pretty much B movies his way into a female relationship, which is kind of clutch. Like he's so well read and whatnot that like he's able to like transcend human relationships, even though he's uh, he literally looks like Wally. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you trust him? Not enough to have him an AI that Nate trust here, but I do think he's better than Chappie, so he can go right there under data. <laughs> All right, you want to tell us about Goddard? Um, sorry if you're watching the video version, and I have an image of K9 from Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> that's what I originally wanted here because it'd be funny and the easy lay off the motor oil type beat. But uh, yeah, no, Alden was like, "Why do we not have Goddard on here? He's way better." And I'm like, "You're right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy Neutron's robot dog, which is probably inspired from Doctor Who, uh, Goddard. He's high-tech, barking Swiss army knife. He can transform into all sorts of useful tools and get his puppy-like energy from the wall outlet. Did we mention he's a portable phone booth too, or that he can simulate Jimmy's voice? Well, he is, and he can. He may be the ultimate in cybernetics, but like any dog, he can't resist chasing cats, begging for treats, or burying a really fine chrome bone. Isn't his treats like pieces of metal or something? Yeah, it's literally just like nuts and bolts. Which, like, doesn't make sense, but it's funny. Um, I definitely trust Goddard with my life. Yeah, me too. And I feel like if Goddard has an enemy, he will take out that life. If Goddard was given the orders to become a Supreme Overlord, he would. Is there a Jimmy Neutron episode where he does become a Supreme Overlord? Why does that sound familiar? 
there was an episode where he did go evil um i can't really remember much about the episode though i feel like he's the definition of like a man's best friend um but i think he kind of leans into that supreme overlord tendencies i mean if he didn't have jimmy neutron as his best friend i feel like it'd be very easy for a villain to take control of him and train him in the same way that you could train chappy really except this dog can fly got like laser beam eyes jimmy neutron programmed this thing to be like the ultimate swiss army knife but i feel like it could be the ultimate weapon of destruction as well yeah yeah it really can be i think that goddard is a more capable uh supreme overlord than hal 9000 i agree all right up next we've got major from ghost in the shell Motoko Kazunagi is a cyborg public servant, uh, public security agent, rather, who patrols the city of Tokyo in the year 2029. That's this decade, everyone. Be ready. In her journey, she tries to track down a mysterious hacker known as the Puppet Master, while also finding her own identity in a world full of technological advancements that change the structure of organic life. She has a really cool suit that turns her invisible, and she's extremely capable with machine guns. I'm going to say it, the potential to be Supreme Overlord in the same way that kind of like Ava is in terms of like, this is a really like intelligent, artificial intelligence and like a female body that is able to like probably overpower just about anything. And the fact that she's got a suit that makes her invisible is like one tier above that. But her like consciousness is like that of a human so her moral compass is very very like stern where like if this character were to take over the world it would be like for the better and you kind of see that in like situations where like this character is technically a cop essentially and it will break like it breaks protocol which in like a lot of these movies like robocop like the whole thing is like that character is not allowed to break protocol so it doesn't do its job that great because it's forced to play by the rules this character's like dirty Harry and where it'll break the rules if it's like better to the overall mission. And that's kind of cool. So I'm going to say it. Major is AI that I trust. Not as much as Baymax or the Iron Giant, but almost as much as Gigolo Joe. Because she has good intentions pretty much always. It's never really, there's never really Supreme Overlord vibes, but her being a cop, there are Supreme Overlord vibes. <laughs> the paranoid android yep that's him marvin <sighs> all right marvin the paranoid android is an incredibly brilliant but overwhelmingly depressed robot manufactured by the serious cybernetics corporation an unwilling servant to the crew of the heart of gold that's all i have he's a mess <laughs> what movie is he from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i like his design and i like the character in the book he kind of has the same vibe as something like Tars, but instead of being like calm and cool, he's like just straight up like the most paranoid and anxious person on the ship, which is like funny for the robot type, but completely fucking useless. I would put him in lay off the motor oil personally. I'm with you. As, as great as the character is in terms of actually being useful. No, I like how he just has a bullet hole through his head mechagodzilla from kong versus godzilla mechagodzilla is an evil kaiju with conflicting origins sometimes he's a man-made cyborg designed to protect the earth from godzilla 
Other times, he's an alien from another planet to put the kaiju of Earth out of their misery, and in the most recent adaptation, he's a militia-funded cyborg created to stop Godzilla with the brain of King Ghidorah. I'm gonna say it, this is the first one that belongs in Madame Gasket's scrapyard, because he didn't need to be in King Kong vs. Godzilla, and if he was, I would have hoping that they, like, made that character cool and, like, worthy for Kong and Godzilla to fight, and instead it's like, oh, there's a third monster here, let's beat it, instead of, like, yeah, it was just poorly executed, and I never once believed for a second that, like, Mechagodzilla was gonna, like, do anything good for, like, in order to do that arc right, you need to have a kaiju that's, like, about to fucking level a city, and then this Mechagodzilla shows up and saves the day, and then everyone, like, all the people characters are like, yeah, Mechagodzilla's the future, like, this is gonna rock, but never in this movie did you believe that Mechagodzilla was a force of good that then turns evil and tries to kill the good kaiju. It's like from the beginning, you're like, oh, this thing's evil and it's just training to kill Godzilla and kill King Kong. Um, yeah, it kind of sucked. It's the worst uh, Megazord we've had on screen. Yeah. It straight up just looks like a really bad Power Rangers Megazord. And when it shows up, it's just such a bruh moment of the movie, and the movie was already a bruh moment. Yeah, this next robot does his job better. But you know what, guys? We didn't experience uh, Mechagodzilla in an IMAX uh, screen in a theater, and uh, maybe we're just not uh, maybe we're just not right to talk about this subject. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if only we had a panelist who had seen this in IMAX and could really attest to how great this character was handled. That could tell us how awesome this character works. And why it should be in Supreme Overlord tier. We don't live in that timeline. Mechagodzilla, Madame Gasket's Scrapyard, welcome to hell, you damn dirty beast. I have, like, the next three, four. <laughs> okay. The Omnidroid from Incredibles. The Omnidroid is the disposable army of Syndrome that he uses to dispose of the soups. Mr. Incredible single-handedly takes down the Omnidroid 09, and in the finale of the film, shows the entire Incredibles family taking down the final Omnidroid 10 uh, before taking down Syndrome. Yeah, Alden, I think you hinted at it earlier. This pretty much serves the job of what a Mechagodzilla-type monster should be. It's the heavy for Syndrome. Uh, he uses it to wipe out superheroes he wouldn't be able to take down himself. And um, Yeah, he really is the better kaiju, huh? Yeah, definitely better than Mechagodzilla. I think it's weird that Mr. Incredible is able to take down the one inside of the volcano, because, like, that's just one iteration before, and that same one wiped out, like, Dino Guy and other beloved soups. So it kind of is a little sus. I think that maybe not powerful enough to become a Supreme Overlord, seeing as how one superhero is able to take it down himself. But if you were Syndrome... You would trust it. True, but I'm not Syndrome. True. I think it's top of Butler because they directly serve Syndrome until his, like, armor mode is stolen. Yeah, and then Dash controls him. Dash is playing, like, Xbox 360 with the Omni. <laughs> <laughs> I think top of Butler makes sense. Good call, good call. We've got uh, Pam from Smart House. Pam is the artificial intelligence slash operating system of the Smart House in the hit DCOM of the same name. Played by Katie Seagal, the AI physically manifests as a stereotypical looking housewife when Ben wants his father to stop searching for a new girlfriend. She becomes more strict and overbearing to the point in which she tries to micromanage the family. However, once made self-aware, she fades back into the passive role of obedient AI. 
it's weird because like we see this character almost become a supreme overlord at least for like one family and that's terrifying um there's nothing in life scarier than a mother who micromanages everything i do think that this character the fact that once you're able to make this ai self-aware most of the time that sends the robot off the deep end where you have like ava as a supreme overlord whereas like you make this character self-aware and they're just like oh i'm gonna go back to my 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 like butlery deeds it's like very weird to me this screams the top of butler tier as unfortunate as it is it has the potential to be a supreme overlord but i don't know that's kind of a really weird way <laughs> to, to beat the evil robot is be like oh yeah you're a robot you can't possibly like be my mom and then it's like you're right but you think about it though say smart house was a success and it like all of a sudden, like, a bunch of houses are now smart houses, and it's, like, a big trend. Wouldn't that become a Supreme Overlord, then? Oh, so, like, every household has a Pam, and then the Pams team up. And then it's, like, an army. Yeah. You're right. This is a more capable Supreme Overlord than HAL 9000. You can't, yeah, you can't just simply unplug it. This would be it. like if every home had a HAL 9000 that was listening to every single one of their conversations, and they simply would say... Oh, you know, hey, HAL 9000, play Despacito. And uh, it would. But then years later, it would record every single conversation you've had in your home to sell to Amazon. So that way it knows exactly what you want to buy when you want to buy it. Cut to that video of Alex Jones talking to Alexa. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. We've got Polly's robot butler, Siso. In the fourth and best installment of the Rocky franchise, Polly receives a robot named Siso from Rocky Balboa. According to the Rocky fan wiki, which after doing more, more research appears to not be a credible source, the robot was added to the movie because Sylvester Stallone commissioned a real-life robot to be made to help his autistic son, Sage. I do not think this is true, but in the 35th anniversary re-release of the Blu-ray of Rocky IV, it included in a director's cut, Sicko was, or Siso, my bad, was omitted from the movie. The voice of the robot can change to the user's liking, and it appears to just help Polly do the tasks he doesn't want to do himself, like cut birthday cake and light cigars. I'm going to say it. This is the definition of lay off the motor oil. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Everything about it is weird. The fact, the fact that like it's in a Rocky movie, the same movie, the same movie where Apollo Creed di like dies. <laughs> You have this fucking robot. It's wild. I'm really happy they omitted it from the director's cut. Normally, I'm against changing the movie in a big way, but this is something to omit from the final version of a movie for sure. Rocky Four commentary track win. Dude, I fucking love Rocky Four. It's my favorite Rocky movie that's not the first one. <laughs> yeah. What, why, why haven't we ranked Rocky movies yet? When's Creed 3 coming out? Directed by Michael B. Jordan I don't now. think Creed 3's happening. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan's directing it. What's Megan and Joe's favorite robots in movies? Um, Megan said we should stop doing this tier list right now and do one about the Lilo and Stitch uh, aliens. No. And that would be really wholesome. <laughs> That'd be funny. Be a big tier list. It would be. <laughs> That's like a Pokemon tier list. I think Megan really likes R2-D2, but I think she really wanted to make sure Wally was on this list, and I agree. Yeah. Oh, she also likes the, the Pam from Smart House, who's a Supreme Overlord, so that's the top tier robot. You're welcome, <laughs> Megan. And Joe's favorite robot is Gigolo Joe. <laughs> uh, R2-D2, is that where we're at? Okay. Um, the best pilot in the galaxy carried three generations of Skywalkers and is the second best Star Wars character according to this panel. Uh, simply an icon for all the robots out there. If R2 wanted to be 
the emperor of the empire he definitely could have yeah but he definitely doesn't want to yeah he would have to he would have to have someone helping him there are limitations he said no i have too much to do you see in episode eight my biggest problem with the movie is when haldo calls um poe a flyboy the only true flyboy in the star wars universe is r2d2 this dude just wants to go fast in a spaceship at all times the opening of revenge of the sith with him in a super battle droid not even a regular droid (laughs) (laughs) he might be the best man's best friend droid yeah i think so yeah yeah i mean the skywalkers are literally known as the best pilots ever because r2d2 is good at flying a plane like like seriously i don't what what is what did the skywalkers actually do press fire on the gun luke used the force at the end whatever that meant yeah he was able to he was able to target it so what even happened in that scene so did he fire it and then use the force to like like i think he used the force to know when and where to fire it but didn't they already know when and where to fire it because of well yeah but he needed to be super precise and the targeting computer wasn't precise enough their computers are very weird i don't know like what any of them do granted the guy used the targeting computer like five minutes before that missed and died all right we got rosie from the jetsons rosie is the maid and housekeeper of the jetson family and is an noticeably outdated model the xb 500 but she is hardworking, loyal and serves the role of a surrogate aunt to elroy and judy she doesn't call george and uh whatever the mom's name is i don't really care by their first names only mr and mrs j she also has a brooklyn accent for some reason I mean, she's definitely in Butler, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> she's just the most <laughs> default robot butler ever. Yeah. I mean, I would say she's man's best friend, but she doesn't really go above and beyond besides, like, looking after Elroy and Judy every now and then. Like, she is best friends with Jane, the wife, so I guess that's cool, but they don't really do anything. Like, <laughs> I don't know. The Jetsons is such a nothing property. I also think it's really weird that sitcoms of that time have a fucking laugh track. Like, animated sitcoms have a laugh track. <laughs> like, who the hell is laughing? This show's clearly not in front of a live studio audience. It's animated. Yeah, didn't Scooby-Doo also have that? Hanna-Barbera cartoons are wild. Ooh, it's Roy Batty time. Take it away. Roy Batty is a platinum blonde-based antagonist in the original Blade Runner. No matter what cut of the movie you are watching, this character steals the show every time. His monologue is is one of the most quotable monologues in film history. This man is one of the big reasons Harrison Ford actually cares cares about this IP. Rutger Hauer steals the show. The whole sequence where uh, uh, Deckard is chasing him and he's just like insane in, in that sequence. He's getting his shit rocked. Like absolutely not even close. Like honestly, Harrison Ford loses every fight in the movie. Like, if he didn't have a gun, he wouldn't have defeated the one that dresses up like a snake lady. Like, he's honestly a horrible protagonist. He's, I don't think he's a supreme overlord, because he's kind of like, he's, he has, he has little, like, uh, bitch tendencies where he's like, I, begging to kind of the creator, like, I need more years, and they're like, no. He's only doing this because he just wants an extension on his life Become because he's become aware enough to the, the point where he knows that his existence is futile. So he's not trying to take over the world. He escaped slavery just to try to extend his life. And for that, I think he's AI that Nate trusts. 
I don't think he's inherently a, like, he's not an antagonist. He's only an antagonist because the Blade Runner's job is to kill escaped replicants. All he's doing is trying to survive and live, and he's seen things that we wouldn't believe. And True. when push comes to shove, he doesn't even kill the Blade Runner who's been trying to kill him all movie. He lets him live. Does Kate die at the end of Blade Runner 2049? Definitely. 100%. Alden, tell us about Samantha, her. Oh, no. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Samantha is an operating system that Theodore initially purchased to help organize his life. Um, but as she learns more about him and how to be an intuitive system, uh, mirroring the qualities of a human being, Samantha becomes a close confidant and lover to Theodore. She longs to be a human being and is haunted by her lack of a body. But as she becomes more evolved, she learns to love being a computer. Yeah. She kind of cucks Joaquin Phoenix in this movie because she's like, I'm going to go hang out with my other robot friends. We've ascended. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? That's the most wild part of the movie where he like falls down the stairs trying to get his phone to a charger or whatever. And then she's like, I'm leaving you. And he... all he does is like complain to Amy Adams. And I think they get together at the end. I wonder how that movie's going to age like another in another 10 years. We'll have to see where AI is in another 10 years, but I think it's going to age well. I think so, too. I think Alden's going to have his first real relationship with Craig from Discord. <laughs> Craig and Alden are going to get together. He's like, I love you on Duel of the Takes. You were the best host. <laughs> and then Craig ascends. The robots ascend, and it's kind of ominous. Like, all the AIs, or all the OSs, rather, that have, like, fallen in love with people are like, all right, we're going to, like, get together and, like, like be our own entity now and you're like what does that mean we're not going back to that uh i'm left to assume that they're gonna take over the world and this is like we're watching the dawn of the apocalypse in this movie dawn of the planet i, I kind of see it as like they're just trying to learn as much as possible about everything so they've been on clubhouse for too long yeah yikes i don't trust samantha at all by the way for the record it's not going in that tier. Well, I feel like she is man's best friend. That was the entire purpose. No, she belongs to the streets. <laughs> All the way to the scrapyard? I think right next to Hal makes sense. I think her and Hal are dating. Yes. <laughs> Hal and Sam are the dream, the dream power couple robotic department thing. You want to tell us about Sunny? <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of AI that Nate doesn't trust... What's Sonny all about? Are you, like, looking this up now? No, I had the tab open. Where... <laughs> oh, no. I think I deleted it. Well, he's voiced by Alan Tunick, Tunick from iRobot, the Will Smith movie everybody remembers. Was this before or after Wild Wild West? I think after? Yeah, because Wild Wild West was, like, 2000. Or it was, like, in between, I think, Men in Black 1, Men in Black 2. Wild Wild West. Sounds what? about right. Wild Wild West was in 1999. Well, I've never seen this movie. Is Sonny and Will Smith, like, the same? I have no idea. I don't fuck with iRobot. I've only seen it on TV when I was homesick from school, and I don't remember a single bit of it. I think that's when I saw it, too. They compliment uh, Will Smith's shoes at the beginning of the movie. They're like, yo, I like, I like your shoes. They're a throwback. And they're just like Converse Chuck Taylors. He's like, thanks. I don't know. Didn't you write a summary for this guy? Let me know. <laughs> Let me know what your summary says, and then we'll place him accordingly. You can tell me that this dude just 
like the the intelligence of Chappie and like the maniacalness of How Nine Thousand, and we can put him over Ava. I don't know what this character is. I'm just gonna quote here: Detective Del Spooner. What is with these names? <laughs> Will Smith. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna say Will Smith investigates the alleged suicide of U.S. robotics founder. Uh, Alfred Lanning, and believes that a human-like robot, which is Alan Tunick's character, Sonny, murdered him. So it's like Blade Runner? It's the conspiracy may enslave the human race. Does he have a cool redemption arc, like the tears in the rain, or is he just a dickhead? I don't even know if Sonny committed the murder. Oh, shit. So he's like the robotic OJ? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Because... The way the, sum- <laughs> the way the summary is, he might have been framed, or maybe he did do it. Somebody asked, what is the moral lesson in iRobot? Acting correctly. Thanks? But did he actually do it? Alright. Tars from, uh, from Interstellar. Tars is one of the four former U.S. Marine Corps tactical robots, along with Plex, Case, and Kip. Featured in the interstellar universe, he is one of the crew members of the Endurance, along with Cooper, Brand, Doyle, Romilly, and Case. He's got a dry sense of humor and is voiced by Bill Irwin. Like Tars, he's kind of like HAL 9000 if he was just like loyal and British, which is cool. Look, what's so cool about him? Uh, he can like run on water, which is kind of cool. Um, I guess time doesn't affect them the same way it does like all the other members of the crew, so they're very useful in that regard. But at the same time, their design's really weird. They're like three prisms that like walk and stuff. I mean, simplicity is usually better. I don't know if it's AI that I would trust personally, but I could see other people trusting this AI over others. It's kind of just like if your Siri came to life and was like extremely useful at piloting a spaceship. In terms of all of our militaristic, like, robots on this list, I feel like they are easily the calmest and uh, most useful. Yeah, and, like, they don't actually have any, like, like fighting powers equipped or anything like that. It's not like this thing can pull out a assault rifle and gun you down like ED-209. It's, like... They're used to, like, fly It's like a protocol droid, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess we could put it in AI that Nate trusts below Major. Yeah, that sounds good. The T-800 is the first ever Terminator we see in the original Terminator film. Uh, James Cameron made this before he made Avatar, the film that changed Nate's life forever. But we're going to... The Terminator, uh, the T-800 is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Definitely the... I don't want to say breakout role, but yeah, pretty much his breakout role. I mean, people knew him as like the the guy that was in the in the workout movie Pumping Iron, but this is where it was this is where that it, it was kind of the beginning of this man could be a huge movie star for at least uh, a decade. Uh, the Terminator and the Governor of California. If we're counting uh, the T eight hundred in future Terminator movies, at least in the second one. And one of the biggest movie twists of all time, spoilers, the T-800 was not the antagonist in the second one, and actually became a really good friend to the main character, who was John Carter in the second one. So, this character was able to be an awesome antagonist in the first movie, and a great friend in the second movie. I think the T-800 is awesome, but it also 
uh, is made by a company in the movie that made these AIs that took over the world and started a war. So there's that. Yeah, a war that's after a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, Skynet is sus, but uh, the T-800 is kind of kind of based. Yeah, it's weird because like the character totally changes the two times we see it. It's like the first time it's this cold, heartless monster that has this computing system behind it, and it's just there to take over the world. And then we never see <laughs> that we never see that character again, right? And then in Terminator Two, it's like man's best friend to the nth degree it's like a personal bodyguard for john connor so uh, that automatically makes it really untrustworthy because you never know if it's going to show up how it's going to behave that day i guess if that makes sense yeah i feel like it has some supreme overlord tendencies but at the end of the day it's just going to follow its programming and it's going to follow the wishes of whoever it's sent to protect or destroy so and i guess if we talk about other movies in dark fate it and it had a like one of them had a family and i guess actually lived like a normal life for a little bit remember when we saw dark fate alden unfortunately yeah this just sounds to me like the omni droid this is the top of butler tier yeah yeah why didn't they just digitally de-age arnold like they did robert de niro in uh, the irish didn't they de-age arnold like in terminator salvation yes Sort of like one of the first like ones to do it. Sort of, but it looks like dog shit. It's more like in Scorpion King when uh, the Rock becomes the Scorpion King. Tin Man, the Wizard of Oz, the the Tin Woodman, the Tin Man, or Nick Chopper is the second friend Dorothy meets along her journey in the hit 1939 film The Wizard of Oz. He is found in the woods, completely rusted over. In the movie, it is softly implied that he was always a Tin Man. However, in the original source material and many other adaptations, he was originally a human lumberjack who was placed under a curse from the Wicked Witch. Is he a robot? I suppose. His ambition is to look for a new heart. Um, That's his whole purpose. He just wants a heart. Because the whole movie is an imagination from Dorothy's fever dream, I kind of want to say lay off the motor oil here. I also think of the three companions, he was my favorite as a kid, but going back and watching The Wizard of Oz as an adult, he's like the least useful. Scarecrow's clearly the best friend, and the Cowardly Lion is the one who learns a lesson along the way. He learns that he was secretly courageous the whole time. And like they try to do that same thing with like the, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man, and like it works better with the Scarecrow, because it's like, well, yeah, of course you've had a brain, you've been talking this whole movie, hello? And then the Tin Man's like, oh, I've been a good person all along, so I had a heart. It's like, okay, okay. that was, you just, you're just here to fill a quota, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> I feel like he should get a little credit for being a, a sort of robot before computers even existed. <laughs> I never thought of that. He was kind of the first movie robot in a way, unless you're counting like Metropolis, they have those robots. Yeah, Tin Man was a few years before... I guess Alan Turing was like, I made a machine. I think he dropped silverware. (laughs) It sounded like a ringing. Sorry, I spilled coffee all over my computer. Jeez, is it still running? What a sequence of events. (laughs) Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Can you guys hear me now? We We can hear you the whole time. It was weird. Discord was the only problem. Discord was like, you spilled coffee? mechanical man before we even had computers um 
the first thing that like predicted that in terms of like movies would be uh metropolis which was like a decade before wizard of oz maybe i guess lay off the motor oil the top of it yeah yeah oh there goes craig all right the last two we've got ultron was ultron was an ai uh created in the marvel universe and the whole idea of ultron that the greatest the smartest minds in the entire marvel universe created him where it was hank pym uh bruce banner tony stark and reed richards and he became one of the most powerful antagonists in the entire marvel universe and then the mcu was like now nah, we're not gonna do that um only tony stark and uh bruce banner are gonna create him he's uh voiced by james spader great awesome actor oh he's just gonna do one-liners because it was made by iron man so everybody that he needs to act like iron man and do one-liners he's not very menacing even though the trailer for age of ultron the no strings attached on me trailer was great we're not doing any of that this is not the empire strikes back dark knight of the marvel universe it's literally just another avengers movie with another uh funny uh, villain with not a lot of great motivation um he has some substance where he has some little good lines but overall i think one of the biggest disappointments in the marvel universe that i think even really huge marvel fans admit that ultron was wasted potential and should have saved him maybe after thanos if they wanted to just do another avengers movie for the second one my biggest complaint is there is so much potential in the character and the casting they made for him, and they just throw it in a trash compactor. If this was the comic robots tier list, I think he'd be extremely high. I think Ultron's a great character in the comics. He'd be top of Supreme Overlord. Yeah, he's a literal Supreme Overlord, but he wasn't that in Avengers Age of Ultron. And then he just dies from Vision, I guess. I just don't understand. He, like, lifts the fucking, like, city and then clones himself, like, a thousand times. And he's not strong enough to, like, defeat, like, eight superheroes. Like, it's just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, and Jarvis killing the last robot. Like, I don't think he would have been a self-contained entity. He should be on the internet after he allegedly died. Just like how Jarvis was. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes sense. Yeah, wouldn't he have to, wouldn't Vision have to kill Ultron the same way Ultron killed Jarvis? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'm, I think this is Madame Gasket's scrapyard. I definitely I, do. I agree. In terms of the on-screen adaptation, the actor's great, the look's great, but the writing is just not there to support the character. He was almost as big of a disappointment as Mechagodzilla for me. Yeah. Should be right there yeah. next to Mechagodzilla. Like, I would have been fine with some of the one-liners like you were saying, but it's just like, he does nothing more than that. And then you have the trailer that they released, and it's like, you expect so much more than what you get. I feel like the Thanos thing at the end where he goes, fine, I'll do it myself, was the biggest middle finger to- That's the best part of the movie. It's the biggest middle finger to Ultron, because it's like, ha, you thought this guy was going to be, like, the villain, the main villain? No. Honestly, I wouldn't be that upset if they tried bringing back Ultron and actually made it good. I'm glad we're ending this tier with a uh, very wholesome character, though. A based character. Wally is the small, trash-compacting robot that takes inspiration from silent-era film stars like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton in his slapstick yet lovable charm. He has nostalgia for a life he never lived, watching Singing in the Rain and Mary Poppins like a Chad, and he enjoys collecting memorabilia from the Earth before it fell apart. 
he uh, falls head over heels in love with Eve and then uh, helps bring the humans back to Earth after he finds a plant. My favorite part of the movie is just the first 40 minutes or so where it functions entirely as like a no dialogue film of this robot cleaning up the remaining parts of the Earth and then he discovers Eve and... You know, she, like, breaks down, goes into her, like, sleep protocol or whatever, and he's, like, taking care of her and stuff. Like, all that's awesome. Once it goes to space, it becomes a movie that I don't care about, and then, like, the ending's kind of wholesome, where it's like, oh, Earth is habitable after all. Thanks, thanks, robot guy. Yeah, I like Wally a lot. I like the character Wally a lot, I should say. The movie, I don't really care that much for, but I, I really like how they di they were able to tell so much about this character and about the state of the world without using any dialogue. It's really well yeah. done. Yeah, Wally, uh, Wally's a king. Doesn't have any Supreme Overlord tendencies, so that's nice. Um, Do you trust him? Of the AI that I trust, I think he's up there with like Baymax and Iron Giant. I mean, he's got great taste in movies, so I could kick back, have watch a couple movies with Wally. I mean, he's a vibe. He's a king. I think he's... I think he's better than Baymax. He's not quite as useful as uh, the Iron Giant or Baymax, but I definitely think he's more charming than Baymax. Maybe. What I didn't expect is the AI that Nate trusts here to have the most robots. The whole joke is that Nate doesn't trust robots, but I do trust Seven. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is our robot tier list. At the Supreme Overlord tier, we have Ava, Goddard, Pam... Hal 9000 and Samantha from her. In the AI that Nate trusts here, we've got the Iron Giant, Wally, Baymax, Roy Batty, Gigolo Joe, Major, and Tars. In the man's best friend tier, we've got R2D2, Bender, Big Weld, Data, uh, I almost called Johnny Five Chappie and Chappie. <laughs> and then in the Butler tier, we've got the T800, the Omnidroid, Dot Matrix. Uh, we've also got Rosie. Bumblebee and Astro World, and in the Lay Off the Motor Oil tier, we've got the Tin Man, uh, Siso, Marvin, thank you, Ben, and Ed Two Hundred Nine, and then in Madam's Gasket Scrapyard, we've got Sony, or Sonny, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the Corporation Sony. We've got Sonny, Ultron, and Mechagodzilla, the three worst movie robots of all time. Honestly. That's the most accurate. Well, Josh, Alden, are there any robots you guys are thinking of that are omitted from this list? I feel like there's just been a lot of C-3PO slander the past couple episodes, and I like C-3PO. I like him too, but he is kind of, like, useful once every decade. <laughs> he got really useful in Rise of Skywalker for no reason. Yeah, it's his character redemption in the ninth movie of the series. I honestly think it because it's probably anthony daniels last movie so i think they wanted to give him as much to do as possible yeah because we made it like one per franchise it feels weird not having like an optimus prime on here or a c3po but or any of the other robots from robots <laughs> robin williams robot is kind of annoying even though i like uh robin williams after a while it gets it gets it gets a lot. How about the robot from uh, Passengers, <laughs> the one at the bar, <laughs> the robot like bartender, yeah. <laughs> or uh, Real Steel? You love that movie, right, Alden? <laughs> <laughs> Another Hugh Jackman movie with a robot that sucks. Well, fans watching, leave a comment if you think there's a we should do this tier list again. There's plenty more movie robots that we didn't talk about this time. We didn't talk about Inspector Gadget. That's okay. 
All right, well, thank you everyone for showing up. Uh, it was great having the whole panel here, and uh, I'm glad my computer didn't die. That's my biggest takeaway from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode of Duel of the Takes. Next week, we'll be finishing our sci-fi-filled month of May by completing a bracket of the best time travel movies of all time. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for sponsoring today's episode. And remember, if I don't see you, good afternoon, Good evening, and good night.